And we just thank you, Father, for uh, the freedoms that you've given us. And only through you, Father, true freedom, uh, true liberty, uh, just uh, knowing that you're with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And I, and I thank you, Father. And uh, as our sister and brother sang tonight, Father, you are our only hope. And, and as we dig into your word tonight, uh, the word hopeless comes into play. And, and just how you just orchestrate things, Father, for what you want, your will and your way. So I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you are in us, for us, and through us. And I pray for more of you. May you be glorified in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Um, for a little clarity, um, there's two places that we'll be going tonight. One of them is um, Jeremiah 18. We'll start with Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 13 for now. And as we start to wrap up, we're going to uh, jump into, um, oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, guys, uh, for you out there, let me just give you a warning. Don't get old. <laughs> uh, you know, re- remember this because when you, it's just like now. It's like I've been working on this for a while. <laughs> and then, wait, wait a minute. I knew this. <laughs> it's gone, man. It's like void. <laughs> anyway, it'll come back. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2. <laughs> Uh, verses 20 to 22. But right now, Jeremiah 18 is what we're going to focus on. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 13. <laughs> and uh, the potter and the clay. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, verse 1. The Lord which... Uh, which <laughs> oh, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying... Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel, something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look at the clay. Look as the clay as is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And the reason why I mention those two, because in Jeremiah, he's primarily talking about Israel as, as uh, the, the clay the pot, that the potter is working with. And uh, for those of us who understand the Bible, even vaguely, is Israel is the only nation that basically was marred and the Lord started it over no other nation has gone through that transition or or that redoing or remaking and that's what the Lord did for Israel and as we go along we'll get more of an understanding of why maybe not totally but we'll get get an idea so when I when I think of the potter I think of um, the potter who takes a lump of clay and he has this idea, he, had, he or she has this vision of what they want. So they've already gone in, the, the vision is already in their head. And so as they start to do this, they, they take this lump and then they start to create something to turn it and mold it and mend it, or whatever it is necessary. 
Now, there's two things you have to be concerned with. Number one is making sure you don't leave any gook in that pot because a vessel filled with itself is not useful at all. And that's how we are when we are selfish. You know, and, and when, when I say the vessel, I'm, and I refer to us, it's just that we're so full of ourselves until we can't, we have no other useful purpose besides focusing on ourselves. And that's the last thing we want to do. So, so the vessel, uh, the, the potter has to make a decision whether this is a thick wall or a thin wall vessel. Now, you guys have heard the term thick-skinned or thin-skinned. And the potter knows, he thinks he knows, he or she knows the purpose of the vessel. So depending on the purpose, the use of that vessel, it may have a thick wall or it may have a thin wall. And with us, that thin skin or thick skin, depending on our situation, allows us to deal with our surroundings. Because if, let's just say you're in a family who's very unchristlike. Now you need a thicker skin to deal with some of the stuff that you're going to hear and see or that you're going to be subjected to. And the Lord knows this. The potter knows this while making the vessel that the, this person is going to need a thick skin to deal with all that he or she is going to see, hear, or experience. And so this is part of the thought process that goes into that vessel. Now, how ornate do I want this vessel to be? Is this a vessel that's going to sit on the fireplace mantle? Or is this a vessel that's going to be used in the, the, the living room as a spittoon? Is this a vessel that's going to be used in the kitchen for waste food? Or is this a vessel that's going to be used in the library for human waste? So that decision is part of the process. And God knows what he made you for. He knows how everything that goes into your, your, your makeup, he knows everything that's required for that particular vessel to be useful. And when that vessel is not what he wants it to be, he can very easily take it and reshape it and remold it. And in, in, in this context, it will be called, it will, uh, I would call it uh, being born again or being made again. And we're not that old vessel, we're that new vessel. And that's, that's how the Lord looks at it. Okay, uh, I've made this vessel, and it's really not living up to what I... And not that he was surprised, he knew it all along. But he just put this out there, and now this vessel uh, of dishonor wants to be a vessel of honor. So this vessel is superimposing itself on, superimposing its will on the world around it, saying, I don't want to be this vessel of dishonor. The only way that we can change that is through repentance. As in, in, in don't, don't, I don't want to confuse anybody when I jump from the vessel to our hearts. Because I'm, when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about one and the same. That vessel wants to rule itself. That vessel wants to determine what it wants to be. And it's always selfish motive. We need to be what the Lord designed us to be. And I just advocate just being bold, just being sure of who you are in Christ. Just being sure of the fact that I know that no matter what comes, it's a work that he's doing. Having an understanding of that, but the only way we're going to have an understanding of that is by digging into the word of God. There's no other way. 
we can't, even though we may have a stellar church, we may have a stellar pastor, we may have stellar uh, church members, but the word of God says study to show yourself approved. And that means a lot. It means a lot. And, and there's some among us, not, they're not here tonight, but they sit and expect to learn about Jesus through what someone else is saying. But the, the problem with that is, with Jesus, it's all about a personal relationship with him. Can't be because grandma was a Christian for all of her life. It can't be because, you know, all my friends are Christians. So just by the fact that I associate with them, I'm a Christian. On the contrary, you have to have a relationship with him. He has to mold you. He has to mend you. He has to break you. He has to uh, fill in those cracks that you've you, uh, caused to be created over the years. And that's what our God does. And God sent Jeremiah to, uh, to a potter, and the potter gave him an illustration by shaping a vessel. You are a vessel. I'm a vessel. Everybody that we know, saints and sinners alike, are vessels. And so he designed it for a purpose. And Jeremiah secured a vessel and used it for his own illustration. And Jeremiah watched the potter at his will, and the soft clay became misshapen. He watched as the soft clay became misshapen, which was Israel in this case, the nation of Israel. But the potter shaped it back into a good vessel. God would do so with Judah if she repents. And now Judah is, is being uh, stubborn and stiff-minded in, the, in this context. And now he wants to reshape them. He wants to do something with them. He wants to make something out of that. But they're not listening. And no different from us today, we look at that and we can easily see uh, their misdoings. We can easily see their stubbornness, their stiff-neckedness. Is that a word? It is now. Stiff-neckedness. And um, we can see that very easily, and we look at that, but how could they have a, a God who loves them? How could they not uh, recognize him as a Messiah? How could they not honor him in their doings? Or, 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 or how can they just not offer forgiveness or receive forgiveness? How can they do that? Oh, my goodness. Man, these people are a mess. But then we look at around us, and the same thing is happening. Can we see that? Can we see the, the, our wicked ways? Can we see it in ourselves? And I pray that we just pray that the Lord would reveal it to us and look in the mirror. And, and you look in the mirror, and it's a definite reflection on what is going on in other places. But we don't recognize it. Uh, Verse 7, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and pull down and destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon them. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, God's sight, so that it does not obey uh, obey my voice, then I will relent uh, concerning the good with which I said I would benefit if you don't repent, if you don't relent, no good is going to come out of that. We're going to, there are consequences to all of our sin. I don't care what it is. Uh, and we have a tendency to quantify. Yeah, I may not be the best person, but at least I'm better than her. I may not be a really the nicest guy, but at least I'm better than him. doesn't matter. God does not quantify. Sin is sin is sin. And he also... 
make sure that we're aware of the fact that all sin has consequences. Well, that's just minor. Well, who's judging? Who's judging? You say that's a minor sin, but what does God say? So he's speaking to them now, and he's letting them know that there will be consequences to their sin uh, because they have turned to evil, and now he's encouraging them to turn from evil. Are we any different in that respect? And I'm, I'm not here to, to bring anybody down. I'm here to, to speak the truth in love. And the love part is certainly there, and I leave it to you to determine whether it's truth or not. And if you don't think so, go back and check. Go back and see what the Word of God says. That's my purpose. No matter what is said here, whatever the Lord is speaking through me, I, w- I would like you to go and be Bereans. Go back and verify I don't know if that's really what the word says. Then fine. Fine. Then you know, let me know so I can learn from it. And that's why I like this, because I get to learn from you guys. Well, brother, uh, you said this, and I'm not sure if that's what the word is really saying. Bring it. That's what I want. I, I, I beseech you to do that. Just let me know. I want to learn because the Lord is teaching me so much. And I'm being uh, just... Oh, unindated with his word, and I love it. But I want to learn. I want to know that when he uses me, that I'm saying what he wants me to say. I'm not here to give any opinions about anything. Uh, and he just uh, he just just pouring it out. And, and uh, in. Verse 7 through 10 talks about how God is letting them know what's going to happen if they continue to turn to evil and what would happen if they don't. Uh, Then he announced impending judgment. The marred nation will be restored as a good vessel by God. It's marred, but God has promised that he can restore it. He will restore it if our hearts are right. He will restore that nation. He will restore that kingdom. Uh, And he will... He will hold off on the judgment, but by contrast, if the nation follows sin, he would not bring the blessing desired. And that's us. That's our lives every day, every minute, every minute. There's decisions that we make. Are we honoring the Lord in that decision? Are we not honoring the Lord in that decision? Again, we can't be judges. We, we want what's best for all of every single one of you. I know your pastor does. He loves you guys dearly. And uh, he wants what's best for you guys. I want what's best for you guys. And so when we, when we talk about these things, it's not, it's not just to hear it. It's to think about it and do it. Do it. Because the Lord has a great plan for each and every one of us. Great plan. Uh, not even something that, well, you know, I could imagine that this is what he wants to do. No, you can't. The, the, the problem with us as, as human being, humankind, is the only way we can imagine anything is we got to have a frame of reference. God doesn't need that. His mind is just, ours is. So, when you say, I can ima-, you can't imagine what he can do, what he will do, what he wants to do in your life. Are you being that vessel? Are you being the, the vessel that he's created? Are you being what he wants you to be? And it's not easy. I'm not going to stand here and say it is. It is not easy because this flesh in you and you and you is strong. That flesh wants to impose its will on everything that we do, everything that we say, 
it wants to impose its will. And sometimes allowing the flesh to control us is the path of least resistance. And so we'll take that path. We'll take that path because it, it doesn't require much of an effort on our part. All I got to do is surrender to what the flesh wants me to do. Good habits, bad habits, whatever. Just surrender to what the flesh wants you to do, and it doesn't require much from you. So let's not do that. Let's, let's, let's fight. Fight that good fight. I know that this flesh is trying to rule, and, uh, you know, when we come to things like fasting, oh, my gosh, no, no. No, not that, anything but that. I got to have my grub, you know. Uh, I just think of that one because that, that's a challenge for all of us. All of us, no matter, you know, what, what state of mind you're in. It's like we don't want to give up the food, man. You know, I was telling my brother tonight I had seconds, you know. Did, did I need seconds? No, I didn't even need first. <laughs> but it's like it was, this is so good, my, my flesh, and this is really good, Richard. You got to go back for more. So I did. I don't want to fight. <laughs> so, so I did. But the Lord is saying, no, brother, there's consequences for, for doing this. You know, even something that we just consider, I just know everybody does it. Everybody overeats. Does that make it okay? And we say, that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal for my friends. It's a huge deal. God has given us his temple, and he wants us to maintain it in a godly way. And I'm not saying don't eat, don't do this, but there are other habits that we have that we, we can definitely live without. Or even the things that we allow to come into our ear gates and our eye gates. Refrain from it. You guys was talking tonight. I was trying my best not to even mention this circus that's going on tonight. But it's just that I think of my, my family, my friends, and how they got up this morning and start planning the day around this circus. Food, drink, you know, went to uh, Walmart and bought a 90-inch flat screen, and they're going to be taking it back tomorrow. Uh, it didn't work. I the, the, it couldn't plug it in or something, you know. And so they'll take it back. But these are the kind, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, uh, flee, flee from it. We'll talk about that when we get into Timothy. Uh, uh, verse 11, now, therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Now, for you who view the Lord as this, this milquetoast uh, kind of guy, this doesn't make sense. The Lord is fashioning a disaster and is devising a plan against somebody? Why would a loving God do a thing like that? You know why a loving God would do a thing like that? Because he's a loving God. That's why. It's like, I'll, I'll give you an a analogy. Of, of, in, well, I think all, all of us can relate to it as a parent. And I'm sure some of you have experienced, uh, are experiencing it, or will experience. Your child is doing something that is definitely going to cause them harm. Now, do you love that child enough to warn them or to caution them against not doing this? Yeah, I love them, but I, I just want them to be free to make their own decisions. At what point is that not acceptable? At what point are you, are you going to say, wait a minute, that wasn't a good idea to let them make their own decisions. So that's how our God is. But the difference is he does not 
put any demands on us to do it his way. He encourages us. He pleads with us to do it his way, but he always gives us free will. That's where the problem comes in for most of us. And I dare to say all of us. Oh, I can do anything I want because he says he's going to never leave me nor forsake me. So I got freedom. I got liberty to do whatever I want because I know he's not going to stop loving me. All sin leads to consequences. That's what we need to think. All sin, no matter what it is. Um, Verse 12, and they said, that is hopeless. And I pray that as a Christian, that word would not be in your vocabulary. Hopeless. That means there is no hope. That means there is no way out of this situation. That means there's nothing I can do about it. I just got to stand back and watch it happen. No. No. Jesus Christ, our living hope. As a singer in the songs for sing tonight, a living hope. There's always hope in Jesus, no matter what the situation is. Erase that word from your vocabulary, if you're a true Christian. And I'm not talking about the fact that you just go to church. If with a pure heart you can say that you're a Christian, then that word can be eliminated. Never hopeless. I don't care what it is, how bad it is. Never hopeless. There's nothing too big or too little for our God. It's always hope. So we will walk according to our own plans, and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart. There's a problem there, folks. And it's not just for these guys. It's a problem for us. So we will walk according to our own plans, and we will, everyone, obey the dictates of his evil heart heart. Danger. Dangerous. Dangerous. In, 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 in Jeremiah, it says the heart of man is wicked, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And that's the truth. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't even know what you're capable of. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I was watching something last night. Usually, you know, uh, I'm just sort of like passing through. I don't, I don't get a lot of TV time. But it was about a singer, a young young girl, I think she was like 24, and her best friend shot her. And the best friend put the gun to her head and says, I don't know why I did that. I can't live with the fact that I just killed my best friend. And for you music folks, you might know the lady, her name was Selena. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if you guys are too young or too old or whatever. But anyway... She was some up-and-coming singer, and her best friend just shot her, man. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because the heart is deceitfully wicked. This woman had no idea. I just shot my best friend, and I don't know why. And now I, I can't live with that song. I don't, I, didn't, I don't know whether she took her life or not, but I, that just popped in my mind when I was thinking about what it says in Jeremiah. And what, what are you capable of? What am I capable of? And... You know, the Lord has really blessed each and every one of us to a point where we know that he is ruler. He rules and reigns over our lives. And so we make a conscious effort through the Holy Spirit to try and be good people. Now, we have to be careful with that word, good people. What is a good person? What makes a good person? 
well, I've never done it. I've never hurt anybody in any way. I've never stolen anything. I've never murdered. So that makes me a good, a whatever, many examples, but that's how they define themselves. And, and you guys heard me talk about this probably several times where there's religious systems that are based on being a good person. And it's, it's, it's a trap. It's a real trap because we give up on devoting our lives to the Lord when we think that we don't need to. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, I, I, I'm, everybody likes me. And I don't do anything wrong. So that makes me a good person. So do you really need the Lord if you're a good person? And some of them feel that they don't. As long as I'm good, I don't have to be concerned about that. You, this, this Jesus that you guys worship, that's for weak people. That's for people who need a crutch. And I've heard these words. And it breaks your heart to hear that because someone actually, I don't, I don't really know if they really believe that. But it hurts to hear it. Uh, Jeremiah uh, brought them to the point where they actually stated their condition honestly. They said, we're hopeless. That was an honest statement. They're hopeless. And I pray that we never have to, to say that to anyone or even say it to ourselves. We're not hopeless. The prophet's threats were useless because they, the, the people were so far gone, so far gone until, again, they felt hopeless. But the Lord knew better. But they felt hopeless, and, and they were just thinking, okay, there's no point. I'm at a point of no return, so I might as well, uh, what's, what's it say, eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, I'm at a point now where it doesn't really matter. And we're seeing, we're, we're seeing that around us daily. And they were abandoned to their sin and the penalty, and they, were, they knew there was a penalty. We know there's a penalty. You know, the conversation, the the, the the uh, thing that we had Friday night really brought that to light for a, a lot of us. And I, I won't go into detail about it, um, but it brought a lot of things to light. We know there's a penalty. We're well aware. We're aware of how that particular area of sin can hurt you. It can hurt your family. It can hurt your children. It can hurt your church body. It can even damage the body of Christ. We need to be aware of that there is a penalty, but they were so far gone. Um, all hypocrisy was abandoned in favor of honesty without repentance. Repentance was not in Israel, and this explains a seeming paradox that Israel can repent and avert judgment, yet Jeremiah is not to pray for them. That sounds strange to me. No, no that's it. Don't pray for them. Their hearts have become seared, waxed over. And, and I, I'll, I'll tell you guys, honestly, I have a trouble with that concept. But that's what the Lord says. Okay, that's it. If that's the way you want to live, have at it, bro. And, and Israel was at a point uh, where they were okay. Uh, Jeremiah was not to pray for Israel. It will do no good to pray for their change since they steeled themselves against any change. Have you, we steeled, I'll steal, meaning locked in, man. That heart is chained and bound to where it wants to go, what it wants to do. Is that us? And I pray that it isn't, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned about people that I know. I'm concerned about people that you know, that hearts have become so hardened. 
And these are the same people who would look at Nebuchadnezzar and laugh. Oh, my gosh, that's crazy. How could he allow it to go that far? But essentially, we're doing the same thing, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, we're not eating grass out in the, in the, in the yard. But how far have we sank? How far have we pulled away from the things of God to not have any concern about the consequences? What is it going to take to bring us back? And I'm here to tell you that we have a God that is willing to reach you no matter how far you've gone. His arms are long enough. His heart is big enough. Well, he'll come down into that valley to drag you to the mountain if he has to. He's willing to do that for us. You know, well, he's got a, I don't know if he really cares about me because he's got 99 to be concerned about that. Okay, let's check scripture and see if that's the case. Ooh, says right here that he will leave the 99 to get the one. So I got a shot. I got a chance. There's hope. There's hope. The fact that he wants you, he loves you, he wants you, he wants to keep you. So no matter where you are, God has made it possible to go in and, and, and to find every single scenario that you can possibly be in. To let you know that you're not creating anything. You're not reinventing anything. Well, Lord, you don't know my situation. Uh, my husband uh, da, 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 and my wife. Uh, okay, let's go, okay, let's go here. And how about um, how about this this verse? How about uh, oh, listen, let's go to the Book of Ruth and, and see. I think we got a situation that fits what you're going through. Uh, let's. How about uh, but Lord, how about this? Okay, I think if you read Jonah. I think that you would see it would mirror what you're going through. Yeah, but what about, how about Exodus? Let's read Exodus and see what it says. Huh. Wait a minute. Yeah, but you haven't touched on what I'm going through. I'm going through, let's read Ecclesiastes. There it is. That's exactly what I'm going through. So no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, how are you going through it, when you're going through it, where are you going through it, it's in there. And there used to be a commercial on television, I think it was spaghetti sauce or something like that. It's in there. It's in there, folks. I don't care what it is. It's in there. No doubt about it. In, uh, you know, the, the months ago when, when I got a chance to, to uh, talk about the book of Judges, and to, to be able to, to look at judges and read judges is like I was looking at a mirror. And boy, that Samson, boy, what a knucklehead he was. Hey, Richard, check out the guy in the mirror there, bro. What do you think? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, well, maybe you got a point there, Lord. Maybe. But there, it's in there, guys. No matter what it is, you're not inventing, you're not breaking any new ground. He's got it for you. He says, this guy went through it. And you know what? Check this out. That person that you're living like, that you're going through the same life that they did, check out Hebrews 11. What? They made it in? Yeah. But how could they? Right there, baby. Heart of God. I love him. But Lord, come on, man. I mean, David? Are you serious? Yeah. A man after your own heart? Yeah. But you obviously don't realize. (laughs) 
oh, yeah, you're right, Jesus, I didn't know that. Thanks for reminding me, you know. But, guys, it's, it's, it's there. I'm, t- I'm, I'm encouraging you. Dig in. Dig in. Be Bereans. 13, therefore says the Lord, ask now among the Gentiles who have heard such things. The virgin of Israel has done a very terrible thing. And this enhanced their guilt that Israel was a virgin whom God has chosen. It just enhanced their guilt. And, and I'm not saying that, well, you know, that we don't believe Romans 8. Believe Romans 8, but live as if we need to repent. We need to repent regardless. There's no condemnation. No, there isn't in Jesus Christ. But do we, are we, do we have that truth, that spirit actually living in us to really verify that we're okay? Do we have that spirit in us? Do we have that spirit of God? And I pray that we do. If we don't, let tonight be the night of salvation. And, I, and you, you've heard the proverbial preaching to the choir, and that's what I feel I'm doing. But that's okay. That's okay because he's taught me not to assume anything. I don't know where anybody out there is. When he said, uh, uh, Adam, where are you? Oh, I'm right here. I'm right here in the garden, Lord. No, Adam, that's not the question. So I, I look out here and I say, where are you? Where are you? Where's your heart? Where's your heart tonight? Where are you? Jeremiah 18 back there, my brother. Jeremiah 18. And uh, when he asked that, I, I want us to be honest. It's not what Richard wants, but it's like, I know the Lord wants us to be honest. Where are you? Where's your heart right now, tonight? Are you living as if he could come back tomorrow? If not, then I encourage you to live as if he were coming back tomorrow because we're almost home. You know, I know you heard grandma say that and great grandma and and Uncle Joe. You heard it. Uh, they've been saying that for years. So you think God's got a calendar hanging up in the kitchen? He doesn't need it. Does he feel a need to give us a day and a time? No. No, because if he did, we start preparing for him the day before. That's our human nature. Oh man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a good time, and then the day before he comes, I'll just change my life. That's not realistic, but there are people who live that way. You know, well I I can I've heard that you can uh, you know, ask for forgiveness at the last moment, last second of your life. Now I, I got to ask you, who promised you that you would get that opportunity? And I can think of some morbid situations, but, you know, we won't go into that now, where somebody didn't have that opportunity. I thought I had a long time. I'm only 41 years old. Come on, I got several more years to go. I, I'm not 41, guys. I, I don't, you know, I'm just saying as an example. I haven't been 41 in 41 years. <laughs> Okay, let's jump over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. So, 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. And the Greek word vessel is very general in what is used to describe various tools and utensils and furniture found in the home. They had a use. And in this great house analogy, Paul contrasts two kinds of utensils or serving dishes. In a wealthy home, uh, the ones made of precious gold and silver were used for honorable purposes, such as serving food to the family and guests. And uh, those made of wood and clay were not for any honorable use, but rather those uses which were repulsive. For example, disposing of garbage and the filthy waste of the household. Now, here's the thing. You can't, shouldn't, I won't say can't, can't means impossible. You shouldn't allow yourself to be used or misused because of how you're made. Well, I'm just a lowly servant. That's a good thing. So I don't deserve to be the vessel that's seen. I deserve. So now who's making that decision? And now you're making that decision about how you want to be used. Now you got to ask yourself, is it my decision or God's decision? Because we've tried to make ourselves into something. How's that working out for you folks? Not so good. Clay pots were cheap, breakable, and replaceable. But they served necessary household functions. Sometimes they were used as a vault to store valuables, such as money, jewelry, and important documents. But they were most often used for holding garbage and human waste. By using frail and expendable people, God makes it clear that salvation is a result of his power and not any power his messengers can generate. It's all about Jesus. God, God says, this is what I want you to be. This is what I want you to be. This is who I want you to be. And it's his will, it's his word, his way that's determined by that, not, not in of ourselves. And the word says, lest any person should boast. I'm a self-made man. I worked hard to get what I got, and that's why I got all of this. I know people like that. I worked with people like that for a lot of years. And things end up turning around on them. Uh, again, there's a lot of detail that I, I can't, I won't go into. Uh, but it's just that we have to be careful when we start to think like that. I'm self-made. Now, the downside to that is we're leaving God out of the equation. First of all, you had to be Smart enough to do this? Where does that come from? Secondly, you had to be well enough, healthy enough to do this. Where does that come from? Knowledge, health. And you had to be driven to do this. Where does that come from? We can't take credit for anything. We shouldn't take credit for anything. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can be nothing. Without me, you are nothing. 
And it's not that God is, 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 is subverting us. He's not putting us down, but he's just letting us know that we don't control that next breath. There have been some, even as we speak, he's just taken away that last breath of someone right this second. Just did it. We got control of nothing. Uh, I always have to mention the fact that everyone in this room has been sick at some point. But you're here. You're walking. You're talking. Doctor, doctor, I can walk. How did that happen? The Lord, the Lord, to him be the glory. Verse 21, 2 Timothy 2, 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Every good work. How do you get prepared? How do you prepare for every good work? Because what happens sometimes when when I need to be preparing for a good work, and my flesh says, you know what, Richard? I think you need a nap. I think you need to just lay down. Don't worry about it. It'll happen. It'll happen. It doesn't have to happen today. Richard, you've got tomorrow. You've got next week, next month. Don't worry about it. Let it go. Then the Holy Spirit comes along and said, you're going to buy that? You're going to buy what they're selling? Well, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. I mean, I can, I'm sure I'm going to be around for another day or two. Are you? Well, why wouldn't I be? There's a lot of reasons why you couldn't be. But again, don't want to sound morbid, but let's not take anything for granted. He says, no one knows the day or the time. There's a reason for that. Live as if I'll be back tomorrow. Not easy. And there's nothing in the word that says it's going to be easy. But he's calling us to a special purpose, a special place, a special time. He's already made preparations for us to come and hang out with him, to worship him. Already done. Now, what's our part is to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, to be that vessel that he's, he's created. Whoever wants to be useful to the Lord for noble purposes, even a common wood bucket or clay pot, becomes useful when purged and made holy. Oh, made holy, guys. Do we know what that means, made Holy. Do you ever see somebody who's holy and say, I'm self-made? doesn't exist. You have only made holy through the Holy Spirit. And that means to thoroughly clean out or to completely purge. Completely purge. Because there's, there's that stuff in us now. And, and I call it, uh, in my relationship with the Lord, in your relationship with the Lord, it's called intimacy. Intimacy. I-N-T-O-M-E-S-E-E, intimacy, intimacy. That means that you're not transparent. That flesh creates darkness. That Holy Spirit creates light. Now I'm looking at you, and I know you. I know what causes you to fall. I know what causes you to rise, and I'm looking at you. I can't see through you. All I can see is darkness. And the song says, No darkness at all, 
That's what we want to be because he can't see your mate, your friend, your compadre can't see through you because of the darkness. Don't allow that to happen. That means the flesh is ruling in your life. I can see through you. I understand you. I know your heart. I can see what's going on. I can see your sensibilities. I can see your hurt. I can see your pain because you're living in the spirit and you're okay with that. When that darkness is there, it's trying to hide it. I don't want anybody to know that I'm hurting. I want to be a man just like everybody else. I don't want anybody to know that I got issues, I got problems. That's not the Christian mindset. Not at all. God wants us to be transparent or, or be able to into me see. He wants that from us. And when we don't have it, we're dishonoring God. We're not that honorable vessel. Well, dishonorable in that sense. Why are we trying to hide our feelings? And I understand when, when, when you walk in the door, how's it going, brother? Oh, praise the Lord. He's doing great things. And somewhere the Holy Spirit is saying, really, bro? Are you serious? You're hurting. Yeah, but I don't want anybody to know it. Why is that? Do you trust me? Yeah. Well, I want you to share with that pastor the fact that you're hurting so he can pray with and for you. I want you to share with that brother and sister that you're close to who they can pray with and for you and encourage you. And in addition, it encourages them because so many of us think we're the only ones that are going through those trials. We're the only one that think that, you know, we got some things that are going on in our body that we don't want anybody to know. God knows. And he wants fellowship from you. He wants a pure heart. He wants you to, to know that you can trust others. Not everybody. Don't misunderstand me. There's some people, if you tell them, it'll be on the news in 10 minutes. But you got to know them. Wisdom and discernment. You want to be that honorable vessel. Let him see through. Let him be, be able to share with, have a, 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 an accountability person. That's what he wants from us. That word you're looking for here is fellowship. You need fellowship. Need not want, need. You need fellowship. He, he has designed us. He's created that vessel. The potter has created that vessel, so fellowship is an important part of our lives. Don't deny him. Don't deny him. Um, and it, this is a call to separate yourself from all who claim to serve God, but do as filthy implements useful only for the most dishonorable duties. Be careful with that one, folks, because we have a tendency to uh, place people, certain people on a pedestal. We need to be like God, who is not a respect of persons. Well, he's an elder in the church, so, I mean, he's got to be living pretty clean. I can tell you for a fact that's a fallacy. It doesn't really matter what level he's on, he or she is on. They had the, the, the propensity to be... White white suppers. Don't be fooled by it. And this is it. Uh, verse 22, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pure heart. It's important, guys. Uh, that word pure is not in there just, uh, just for uh, filler. 
pure heart. There are people who call out of a heart, but a pure heart. And the Lord knows when it's a pure heart and when it's, there's motive attached. Call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. And when it talks about this useful lust, it's not merely illicit sexual desire. That's what most of us have a tendency to think. It is not. But also lust is pride. Most of us are familiar with that word. Uh, desire for wealth and power. Some of us are familiar with that concept. Jealousy. And there's probably no one here tonight who has that problem. I'm speculating here. Well, maybe one. Self-assertiveness. And last, also least, an argumentative spirit. We all know somebody like that. I don't care. Wow, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Well, what's so beautiful about it? It's going to rain in two weeks. <laughs> Come on, Aunt Mary, cheer up. <laughs> but that argumentative spirit, it, it, it'll wear you down, guys. It becomes such a load until it can end up causing you to fall into that same mindset. Be careful. Be careful. Um, there's a difference between bad people and bad company. And on that, we, I can say pray for wisdom and discernment and you're in a situation that you're in. And some of you, uh, I don't know, uh, most of you are probably going to go home and go to bed, so you're not going to go to the Super Bowl party. So you won't be subjected to this, but right now it's going on right this minute. Topic of discussion. Uncle Bob and Aunt Mary are arguing about Who's going to win the game? Really, folks? Come on. Is, I mean, that's all you got? You can't come up with anything better than that? But, but uh, this, these are part of the youthful lust. And when we think of youth, we think of, you know, eh, 21 or less. So, you know, we don't, we don't have that issue. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Do you deal with uh, pride, desire for wealth and power, jealousy, self-assertiveness, and do you have an argumentative spirit? There you go. Useful loss. Is that you? I pray that it isn't. But I know that the Lord is working on each and every one of our hearts here tonight. He's definitely working on mine. And I just thank you guys for, for just allowing me, uh, the Lord, to use me in this opportunity. And I just pray that there was something I said that encouraged you. Something. And if there was something I said that, that discouraged you, I pray that the Lord would just wipe it out of your mind right now. But uh, he's given me this heart to, to say what I said to you guys tonight, and I, I just pray that it came out the way that he intended and that you guys would understand that you are a vessel. And God, uh, this is something that, that the kids used to say, God, don't make no junk. And it's true. He does not. He does not. And... It says that he's, he's a res not a respecter of person, so I don't want us to misinterpret what that means when it comes to being an honorable and dishonorable vessel because that boils down to your, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm just a wooden vessel. I'm not a gold or silver, so I can't be on the mantle. That's not how God thinks. God sees you as a completed vessel with uh, little roses painted on there and little sparkles and 
you know, a little uh, clear coat, the whole deal. But they all were all fearfully and wonderfully made. So when he made you, when he made that vessel that you're, you're, that is on loan to you, he knew what he was doing. And when he has to break it and mend it and mold it, he knows what he's doing. So let's trust him in everything. He loves us dearly, more than anyone or anything can. We've got to remember, he's a jealous God. He doesn't want us to have any other things before him. That great Messiah, the Meshua, Yeshua, our one and only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you for this time that you've allowed us. And I thank you, Father, for this remnant that you presented uh, tonight, Father. And I just pray that, that your word would, would have an impact, not just on ears and eyes, but on hearts. And I pray that you will receive the glory, Father, uh, as we go throughout this evening and, and, and the days ahead, if, if, if uh, you should uh, tar, uh, tarry, and that we would just continue to learn more about you, Father. Our heart's desire would be to know more about you to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth, and that you would just continue to pour out a blessing on us that we don't have enough room to receive. And if it be your will that we should rise tomorrow, Father, I pray that we would wake up and find new mercies sprinkled on our pillows, Father, Uh, thinking my God is still present. He's still with me. He has not left me nor forsake me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my friends my sisters and my brothers in Christ. And I pray that we would continue to encourage and be encouraged by one another. Again, may you receive the glory in all that we did and said here tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.